Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Locked on Cavaliers. I'm Chris Manning, your host from fearthesorda.com. This is your daily look at LeBron James and the rest of the always interesting Cleveland Cavaliers. Today's guest is Jeff Siegel from fearthesorda.com, Early Bird Rights, Peachtree Hoops, a bunch of great sites. Please go support his Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Uh, we'll recap game one, talked about the lineup adjustments the Cavs can make. Uh, what Toronto did well, what the Cavs did well, and, and what this ga- that game means for the series and a whole bunch more. Uh, back tomorrow with another episode, back all week with coverage of this a very interesting series and everything that's coming down the pipeline. Please go on iTunes, leave that five-star rating interview to support the podcast. But without further ado, here's today's show. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. So, Jeff, Cavs win game one, a 113-112 to overtime win. They have a 1-0 series lead against Toronto. Um, a very, very energetic game, a frenetic game. To start off, though, looking at the, the two players, if you would have told me that LeBron James would shoot 12 of 30 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3, 1 of 6 from the line, still posted 26, a 13 and 11 with with two steals and two, with a steal and a, two blocks, and that Kevin Love would shoot 3 of 13 and 1 of 4 from 3, in addition to having the 13 rebounds, and the Cavs would still win and score 113 points, be it in overtime or not, I would have called you crazy. But here we are. Cavs are up 1-0, and it, and it came on a night where their two most important offensive players and their best two players overall didn't really have the type of offensive nights that they're accustomed to having when when they're at their best, and that we've seen them have a lot this season. If 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 in Love's case, not so much in the first round against Indiana. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really interesting to see how James and Love weren't able really to get the ball to go in the basket very much, but they were still very impactful on that end. Obviously, we know about LeBron. He's always got the ball in his hands, and so he's going to be impactful no matter what, just with his gravity and with his passing ability. But Love, I thought, you know, in particular, he, you know, obviously he missed pretty much every layup he took, which is odd, and hopefully will, for him, will be... Uh, will be rectified going forward. But, you know, he's been, he was poor in the Indiana series inside as well. So, you know, something may be going on with him health-wise with his, you know, that that bad left hand. Maybe something's going on with his right hand as well. And he's just not finishing inside very well. But, you know, you could see, on a, especially early on, a, a couple of those, uh, you know, George Hill, Valanc- or George Hill, Kevin Love pick and rolls where Valanciunas was just scared of Love's three-point shot. And so he didn't even guard the rim and, Love, and, and Hill would just roll right in for a layup. LeBron had one in in the second quarter, the same thing, where Valanchunas sort of stunted at LeBron and then went right back to Love because he was so scared of the three point shot. So even if if Love obviously did you know didn't have a great offensive game, but he was he was still impactful with his spacing and with his you know his gravity and his ability to pull Valanchunas or pull Yaka Pertle out of the paint, um, you know, and, and how they got to one thirteen, you know, it's there's a lot of offensive rebounds just a ton of second chance points. And I thought that was, uh, that's where, and we'll get to Tristan Thompson, but that was his, his main contribution tonight was, uh, was uh, all along the offensive cross. Hill just two of seven in this game as well. So it's like he, if he has a better night, um, particularly if he's getting inside and he didn't take a three in this game, if he can get inside and finish at a better rate as well, that, and it, when that space does open up, 
that's going to matter. Um, and look, this is a series where I think Kevin Love with the five makes it's it's a defensive issue. I think we the one the the few things that we we can take away from the regular season matchups where the Cavs won near the end of the season um, was that. Kevin Love is going to have these defensive issues against Valanciunas and against Jakob Pertl. But he also is going to pull them out of the paint, and it's a give and take of which one of those, I think, overrides each other. To look at LeBron for a second, you know, his he said he had a triple-double, and he said it was one of his worst games of the season. Played 47 minutes and over through overtime. But you and I were talking about this and uh, as we were prepping for the show, and, and it was the thing that stood out to me when I watched this game, not live, I'm, I'm on a work trip, so like I'm catching up on this game and, and watching it a little quicker than I normally would, but LeBron's defense in this game, particularly in the fourth quarter, was astounding. And we saw in the Indiana series him take on some of that Victor Oladipo um, assignments when it, when he when he needed to, but it was just in small microdoses. And he you know had even the one block he had in the series that uh, in Game Five I think probably should have been a goaltend. Um, and the last two minute report indicated that should have been he was insane on Kyle Lowry to close out this game. And that as much as as him being the offensive leader was the reason the Cavs are up 1-0. It just how good he was in that end was just something that I, we're not accustomed to him, that being the reason why he's great, but he can still do it when he needs to. Yeah, he wasn't his all-world self offensively. He settled for some jump shots, one for eight from three, you know, 12 for 30 from the field. Just he wasn't he wasn't himself offensively, which is funny to say when he had 26 and 13. Uh, but, you know, he just, he didn't have, he had the command of the game in that sense that he usually does, but it wasn't quite as, you know, overwhelming as he usually is, especially against the Raptors. But defensively, he was the best, you know, maybe we've ever seen him. Uh, you know, just he was he took Lowry completely out of the game. And it was Lowry might as well have not been on the court. He was frightened to dribble the ball. He was terrified to go in the lane and, and try to score on LeBron. He couldn't, you know, they weren't even operating him out of pick and roll or anything like they were just he might as he didn't want the ball and and that was all on LeBron and it's you know a lot of that was mental in, in Lowry's head with with LeBron with the LeBron matchup but you know that's that's what he can do and that's that's that that's the value that he brought tonight even though you know obviously he was still you know 26 and 13 is nothing to sneeze at offensively but defensively is where he you know he could uh, he can look back on this game and be like yeah I was I was dominant on the defensive end. I mean, do you, do you think Toronto did anything defensively against him that you know indicates that he's that they have something that they're gonna do to to stop him or at least try to stop him? In Indiana's case, to look back at that series, it was just really that they're being very physical with LeBron and then pushing up against him quite a bit. It was not always um, LeBron James having to do every little thing in that series. It was a lot of of Bojan Bogdanovic and guys pushing him against him and, and botting him inside. Is there something Toronto did that that you think indicates what their strategy for defending LeBron is going to be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they they went with a, a relatively similar strategy. OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam got the majority of the minutes, and they're going to be strong and they're going to be physical, especially Ananobi. You know, Ananobi's probably just as strong as LeBron, which is weird to say because we're not used to anybody being able to guard LeBron at that level. Uh, you know, especially with with the strength and quickness that uh, that LeBron has. Ananobi can you know come as close to anybody can at, at, at matching him in those ways. And especially with the strength, they put LeBron at the elbow and in the post a lot. And Ananobi just doesn't get back down. Like that just doesn't happen against him. And he can, he'll push right back against LeBron. So it'll be interesting to see how Cleveland sort of reacts to that and sees, okay, we're, 
the, the things that worked in the last series, the things that have worked for us all season about putting LeBron at the elbow, putting LeBron in the post and letting him be the playmaker from there. That's, you know, maybe that doesn't work as well because he can't get as deep position, especially against Ananobi. You know, maybe they put Ananobi more in space and they use those, you know, Hill, LeBron pick and rolls. They they run a little bit more of LeBron off the ball as a, as a screener just to, to, to make Ananobi make decisions, you know, prey on the fact that he has doesn't have a lot of experience in those situations and, and do things that way rather than just try to back, you know, go back through him in, in the post. I think that I'll read. I I don't. I think the the problem with Toronto, what they're just gonna have is it, it's it's not. It's a little better than Bogdanovich because I think Bogdanovich, for how hard he worked, just wasn't f- the strength. I think we were putting with the newbie is really important. I, I wonder if there's a game we get where LeBron gets to the line 15 times, like he had uh, the one game where he did against Indiana. I I wonder if that just forces them to have to play C.J. Miles more and to have him guard LeBron. I think that that's something that. In a game where LeBron is more in a rhythm offensively, that could just spell doom for them. And and if that happens, whether it's game two, whether it's a a, a game later in the series, and I kind of this this feels to me like a series where both teams are going to have games where they just whack each other in the face, and just just are battling each other. I I think that could be something to watch. Just if LeBron has a game where he gets to the line a lot, only I mean six, frankly six free throw attempts for him. In a game where there weren't a ton of free throw attempts for either team, it wasn't a, a game where uh, one player or the other, except for Jeff Green with, with eight free throws, uh, and didn't really do a whole lot. But uh, to look at some of the other Cavs that did well in this game, Tristan Thompson, I think, is, is going to come out looking really good again. Um, no Nance in this game, uh, but Tristan Thompson off the bench after that game seven start, 26 minutes, five of eight from the field. 4-4 four, four from the line. He had the nine offensive rebounds, uh, something you pointed out earlier, and, and was just, I mean, excellent in this game, I think, in any way you want to look at it. Um, and then and just a, a quick sample note here. It's a 42-minute sample, but so far in the playoffs, Love and Thompson together have a 112.3 offensive rating and a 100.4 defensive rating. Um, when Love is without Thompson, it's a 100.7 offensive rating for the Cavs and a 105.1 defensive rating. I'm I'm shocked we're here, but Tristan Thompson I think is deserving of 30 minutes a night now. He, he's earned it these last two games, and I don't know if he should start. I don't know if he should continue to come off the bench, um, and maybe it changes game to game or it will change later in the series. But I, he I think he has to be in the rotation now, and I don't think there's um, a way around it. Yeah, I don't I think he's he's earned his 30 minutes a night. I would start him because he matches up real well against Jonas Valanciunas. He's you know those two guys can sort of you know, sort of almost cancel each other out in terms of their, you know, rebounding expertise and their and their strength down low. I would, you know, I would put Tristan Thompson right back in the starting lineup, match his minutes, you know, as much as you can with Valanchunas, where he, you know, can offset some of Valanchunas, because obviously, you know, Valanchunas had 21 and 21, eight offensive rebounds himself, but Thompson can mitigate some of that. And, you know, I think Love is just sort of overpowered with Valanchunas. Valanchunas is just, you know, too big for him. And, and it's just not going to, I don't think it's going to work for him on, on the defensive glass, but Thompson can get in there. And he's, you know, the, when the, when the Cavs went to James Love and Thompson as their sort of big guys, that was, you know, that gave Toronto problems in the fourth quarter. And I thought that that was a big part of why they were able to come back both on the defensive and the offensive end is, is because, you know, Thompson was able to get in there and, and, and muck things up and, just you know, get the get those offensive rebounds, keep Valanciunas off the offensive glass a little bit more, and just you know, be be Tristan Thompson essentially. 
So when you look at that poss- a, a starting lineup change, I, I think obviously the guy you would drop for me is Corver. Um, I think the spacing for him is obviously really important, but I think Jr. defensively in this series guarding DeRozan is just going to be too valuable. And I th- but I, I do think right now Hill, a, a lineup of Hill, Smith, LeBron, Love, and Thompson just makes a lot of sense. I you know it, it means it means LeBron can play free safety against it with roaming off a newbie. Um, it means the Cavs have two guys that they're comfortable guarding Lowry and DeRozan. And then, you know, Love, I think, is fine against Ibaka, and I think Tristan is going to battle Valanchunas pretty well. I think the size that you talk about is just going to be really important there. And, and Valanchunas, uh, we're going to relitigate that draft pick, I think, just because it's something we've, we've done in the past. But it, it's something where he, Thompson just had a lot of success in that matchup in the past, and it's just like the Al Horford thing. It's just he has had success against these guys, and you should feel good about it for the Cavs. If if that were to be the case, and Tyloo has is not gonna say anything about that until right before tip to game two, if he is gonna do that, what what would also be adjusted in the rotation? Would that mean Larry Nance gets reinserted back into the rotation? Does it mean um, Jordan Clarkson's dropped in favor of Corver? Does it? I mean, I mean, what what were the, what other ramifications do you think starting Thompson would mean for the Cavs? I mean, I think you can hold the pretty similar rotations like they did in, in game one with as long as you when you put Thompson into the starting lineup, obviously it'll look a little bit different in terms of who plays when, but the the same nine guys who played in this game can play in the next game. I mean, we can talk about Clarkson and the way that he, you know, maybe shouldn't be playing at all and they should cut that down to an eight man rotation. You can give his minutes more to Thompson, more to, you know, maybe more to Rodney Hood. I know he's not a favorite of, of the Cavaliers and, and George Hill only played 28 minutes. You know, he, if he picks up to get into the 32 to 36 range, you can pretty much excise either one of Clarkson or hood from the rotation, you know, altogether. I, I, you know, I think I would go that route and try to, you know, up Thompson's minutes to the point where Clarkson is, you know, pretty much a non-factor. I don't think Nance, you know, has a particular place in this series. I think, uh, you know, with Valanchunas and Yaka Pirtle out there, he's just, you know, he's he's not gonna he's, he doesn't bring the the offensive firepower that Kevin Love brings, and but you know, and also just isn't strong enough to deal with those guys defensively. And that's where Thompson obviously has had some success and had a lot of success in Game One. So, you know, I, I think I would leave Nance out of the rotation. I would even excise Clarkson from the rotation, up Thompson's minutes, have him start, and and you, know, you play similar lineups to what we saw in Game One, just you know, more of more of Thompson and more of George Hill. That would also allow you to still play Love at the five, um, because if you're not playing another big, and LeBron can slide down to the four, and and you can still do the, some of the big thing the Cavs like to do. It's also, I think, something. And that talking about Nance for a second, it, a series like this where he may be the strength, he's maybe not as strong as he needs to be for some of these matchups. Um, but if he had, if he had, was just the he, he when he came over from the Lakers, he flashed this 18 to 20 foot jumper. That teams really that gave him some spacing off the on the baseline and, and at the top of the key, the Cavs. Uh, Tyloo has even said that he has had kind of once or twice that he believes that Nance could be a three point shooter. I don't really buy that, but if Nance ever could develop that that jumper to like twenty feet, I I think that would make him just even more playable in a series like this because it would at least give him another dimension than Thompson. Cause like the, 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 in, in seeing how they've played in the playoffs so far, I think going back to game seven, going back to, to this series and seeing how Thompson did in this series, Thompson's bulk is just really, really valuable. And I don't know, you know, if he was hurt all year, if he, um, 
what what his issue was because he just wasn't this he was not this player. It is like sho- almost borderline shocking for me that that he has looked so good these last two games and that Nance has it went from being incredible his first couple weeks out with the Cavs and then hamstring injury really seemed to mess up his flow. It's sort of nuts to me that we're here with Tristan Thompson being as essential as we're talking about him being, but I mean, I think his bulk and his ability to battle these guys inside, maybe it's just more valuable this time of the year, and maybe it's particularly been valuable against the type of teams they've seen so far, but I, I, I think you're right. I think it's, there's, a, there's a good argument to be had that eight men with a no Clarkson, no Nance, and um, more minutes for Love. Maybe some Love is your basically your only other five with Thompson, and Thompson playing 30-plus minutes a night is the best thing for the Cavs. Even if I, I worry about how tired they're going to get, but, I mean, it's they probably just gotta, they're going to get there anyway just because of, of how much LeBron's going to play and how much other guys are going to play. Kyle Korver played 38 minutes in this game. Jared Smith played 36 minutes in this game. They're going to be riding these guys, and, and no matter what, it's just, I think, kind of inevitable that they're going to have some fatigue. And so it's it's a, an advantage Toronto is going to have over the course of the series. It's just they're going to be probably fresher in a Game 7 than the Cavs are going to be. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll get into a little bit more about what Toronto should do considering that they have the rest advantage and considering that they're way deeper than the, than the Cleveland than Cleveland is. But, you know, another guy that you, we haven't, you know, obviously we haven't really seen a whole lot of him in the, in the playoffs. You know, I'd love to see Chetty Osmond get a shot, especially, you know, if, if things aren't going well, if Corver and Smith aren't, don't have it going and, and you don't trust Clarkson, which, you know, I, I wouldn't trust Clarkson, but, you know, Ty Lue seems to, seems to like him. I'd give Osmond a shot, especially, you know, in, in a situation where Smith is having some trouble with DeRozan. You know, give him a shot and let him see, you know, let see at least what you have uh, from, from, uh, from Osmond. Just, you know, if, if you wanted a, a ninth guy to reinsert back into the rotation, you know, he would be the first pick for, for me off the bench uh, rather than Nance or Zizic or obviously, you know, Jose Calderon doesn't really, you know, have a place in the, in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it's just it's going to be tough for, for Cleveland to sort of manage those minutes and keep everybody down now that they're playing every other day pretty much from here on out. You know, and, and LeBron, you know, for the first three quarters of this game was not you know, wasn't really his his superhuman self defensively. I thought his rotations were a little bit sort of lacking. You know, on the on the defensive end and and offensively, obviously he was you know settling a little bit more. And you know, he turned it up. He turned it up to to eleven against Lowry in the, in the fourth quarter in overtime, and they got the win. But you know, through that first three quarters, you could sort of see how the toll of the season and the toll of the first round might have might have taken a, a toll on LeBron and. You know, we'll see, you know, whether that continues in, in these future games. If they have another, you know, really hard-fought game, if they go to overtime a couple more times, you know, we may see LeBron have so, some issues there. I mean, obviously, we've never really, you know, we've never seen LeBron have real, you know, injury issues. But, you know, it's it's something to, to monitor that whether he, you know, is able to continue at this level. I love the idea of, of giving Jetty some minutes because when the Cavs used him in the regular season— they used him as a guy who could defend multiple positions. I don't know exactly the right place for him. I'd worry about him against Lowry or DeRozan, but if you could get him minutes uh, chasing around C.J. Miles or, you know, Delon Wright, I think that could work for him. I, I wonder, I, I think Toronto sags off of him, but he's and he's kind of a streaky three-point shooter at this point. But um, I, I think if you, I, I would rather play him 12 minutes than Clarkson 12 minutes. And I think just defensively, the length, the the tenacity, then the, and just frankly, the Clarkson just not a good decision maker, and and if there's a small margin of error for this team to some degree, um that that's kind of an issue. When you when you look at Toronto in this game, 
this is this has kind of got to be a tough loss for them. I, I haven't see, I haven't had a chance to look at quotes that they've had after the game yet, or, or kind of see what the mood is going to be. But for them to lose with LeBron and Love not playing that well, that's kind of tough. But I mean, I don't think they should feel like they're out of the series yet. I think they they clearly are going to ha- again have that depth advantage. It's something I talked about on the preview show with Sean Woodley. But if you were them, and and if you're thinking about what the Cavs, what adjustments they might make, and the Cavs should maybe expect for Game Two and beyond. What do you think stands out as something Toronto could 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 alter in its formula to 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 push the Cavs in Game Two and give themselves a chance of of taking this to Cleveland one one? I mean, I think the biggest thing that Toronto can do and that we saw Indiana do and have a lot of success with is try to run the ball down Cleveland's throats a little bit. Like try to you know try to get out even after makes after misses after steals, just get out and run. I know that's not something that t- t- Toronto really you know is comfortable with. DeRozan and Lowry sort of aren't you know aren't big transition guys and so it's hard for them to to sort of flip that switch but that's you know I think that could be a big part of this series obviously they're way deeper you know they've got 10 11 12 guys who you know would play on the Cavaliers like Norman Powell gets no minutes in this game and he'd be like the third or fourth wing on the on the Cleveland Cavaliers and he'd play you know 20 30 minutes a night so it's it's really interesting to see you know the di- the dichotomy between obviously Cleveland is really top heavy with LeBron and then with Love and, and some of their other guys and then you know Toronto is very deep and but doesn't have that sort of top end talent like LeBron obviously and so you know Powell would be somebody that you know, especially when we talked about earlier how, you know, they might have to go to C.J. Miles against LeBron if Ananobi and, and Siakam sort of get into foul trouble or just aren't being effective. I think Norman Powell might get a shot before C.J. Miles does. I mean, you know, he's been, you know, pretty poor this whole year offensively and, and hasn't really, you know, lived up to that contract extension he signed right before the season started. But, you know, I think he might get that shot before Miles does. He would be somebody that you know, isn't in the rotation now, and I'm not advocating for him to be in the rotation. But if you know, if necessary, he would be somebody that you know you could see them giving a shot to, especially defensively against LeBron. But you know, I, for in terms of like in-game tweaks that they can make, you know, trying to run as much as they can and try to really you know put the pressure on on the Cavaliers to get back defensively, something that they're really really bad at. Like they've been terrible in transition defense all year. Something that they, you know, obviously they've got to protect their their defensive glass when when Tristan Thompson's in the game. But if if Thompson's not in there, or they can, you know, they feel good about their their chances of getting the rebound. The guards need to get out and run the way Oladipo did, the way Darren Collison did in the last round. And you you know we saw the cumulative effect that that could have on some of the Cleveland Cavaliers, especially you know even even LeBron James who tried to play through that entire game seven and and ended up having to to come out in the third and fourth quarter with with some cramps you know that's that comes a little bit from Indiana pushing the ball for seven games 48 minutes a game seven games of just running it every single time they could and that's I think that's something Toronto could look at as as a as an adjustment, a small sort of, you know, you don't want to rejigger the whole rotation based on one game. You don't want to rejigger the whole offense, but just get up the court quicker would be would be my uh, my biggest adjustment for them. When you look at the Cavs, what do you think they need to do better in, in game two? For, for me, it, it's obviously I think they have to figure out what's going on with Kevin Love. Um, I, I, you know, I wonder if there's at some point where you have to, to wonder if it's worth giving him post-up attempts. You know, I I also I, I think the starting line of that change that we talked about makes a lot of sense, and, and the rotation adjustments we made uh, make a lot of sense. I I think that that to me is just sort of like the big things because I think you you have to feel good about a lot of what went right for you in this game. But it, it, I think if I think if they can just figure out what to, how to best use love, 
that's going to not just serve them well in this series, but if they get to the next round and see, and see Boston or, or Philly, knowing what's up with Kevin Love and what's the best way to leverage him right now, I, I think is the best way to do it. And for me, I, I think that does m- maybe mean a little bit, uh, a fewer post-ups and getting him more three-point looks. It, it, you know, he was one of four in game one against Toronto, but shot 40% from three in the first round. And and it seems like for whatever reason, it's his inside work and that is bothering him more. And maybe that's just, he's in a bad slump right there because it's pregame. All the reports are that he's doing okay, but um you know, I, that to me is just the, the obvious thing, and I, I wonder if we'll see more, um, just some more aggressive George Hill, and it's weird to me that he didn't shoot a three in this game, but it's also when Kyle Korver takes 12, there's just maybe just not, not the opening there for him in this particular game. Yeah, and, and LeBron took eight, and Smith took six, and, they, you know, there were just not a lot of shots, I don't think, for George Hill in this game, especially the way they were sort of using him. He wasn't he wasn't as involved as I'd like him to be. I think that would be a small tweak that, that Cleveland could make. A lot of those sort of LeBron at the elbow, LeBron in the post, LeBron in the mid post, sort of, you know, the, the, the passing that we all, we all know and love from, from him. I think that would be, you know, because of Ananobi's strength and because of Siakam's strength and their physicality with LeBron, he's not getting that deep position like he usually does where he's a threat to score and pass. You know, he's really more of just, you know, a passer. And obviously that was very good for him. They ran a lot of good stuff out of the corners and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of other uh, good action that, that got good shots. You know, especially, you know, Smith had, you know, five for six. A lot of those came from LeBron, five for 12 from Corver. A lot of those come from Le- LeBron as well. But I think getting getting Hill involved as the ball handler, you know, using some of those those pick and rolls with Love and with James, you know, I think that might that might activate uh, Hill a little more. That may activate Love a little more from behind the three-point line. You know, not as many shots in, inside would be, you know, at this point, I guess, if he's not going to make his layups, it's it, that, you know, you got to move him outside and let him space the floor and let him space Valanciunas and Yaka Pertle out if they're going to go to to love at center or, you know, just, you know, take Ibaka, who's a, who's a good shot blocker out of the paint and get, you know, get him away from the, the main action as well. So I think love as, as a floor spacer would be, would, might be a better thing for them to do. You know, obviously if they put Thompson back in the starting lineup, then love is really going to be more of a four, more of a floor spacer. And, and then he'll, you know, he'll, hopefully have a little bit more success out there than he has had inside in, in the, in the Indiana series and in, in this game. And so I think, you know, I think, I mean, in terms of like how you help love overcome whatever's going on here, like, I don't know that you can really do that. I think he just has to sort of work it out and figure out, you know, what's the, what's the best way for him to finish around the basket. You know, he missed some just bunnies. It's not like he's, it's not like he was getting blocked or he was getting, you know, physically overwhelmed by Valanchunas there. He was just, right next to the basket wide open and just missing them. And so I think it's, you know, I hate to call it luck, but I feel like, you know, at some point he'll, he'll just bounce right back out of that and he'll have one of these games where he, you know, finishes, you know, maybe eight for nine inside and he gets right back up to, to where he usually is in there. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of little things that they can do. You know, there's no like big overhauls. Obviously I would, you know, put Thompson back into the starting lineup and excise Clarkson. I guess that's, you know, that would be something, rather large, you know, a rather large adjustment to make. But uh, other than that, you know, I don't think that they should, you know, take the LeBron, take the ball out of LeBron's hands too much, just a little bit more of George Hill as, as the primary ball handler, you know, a little bit less of, of James in the post. Obviously he was, he was good in, in this game from, from those areas, but you know, that's not, I don't think that's going to last forever. I think as, as Toronto sort of gets used to guarding some of those off ball, you know, off screen actions that they'll, that, that LeBron's, 
sort of effectiveness from the elbows and in the post might be mitigated somewhat. So you want George Hill to be confident and be able to, you know, turn the corner and pick and roll and, and, f- and make the right decision. And, and I think that's something that he can do. He can finish at the basket. You know, he can do all those things that, uh, that you know, frankly, that the, they traded for him to, to do. Yeah, I, I would like to see the Cavs try to pick on Lowry a little bit with bigger guys. Be that, uh, like you mentioned, a Hill love pick and roll, a Hill Thompson pick and roll, a Hill James pick and roll. I think those are all options where you can chase guys and get them in foul trouble. I you know I, I think in certain points, Jr. Depending on who's guarding him, you could you should attack with Jr. Jr. is a good screener, and I think continuing to do that is something we saw bits of in the in the Pacers series. Uh, I think continuing to do that makes sense, but. You know, I think the one other thing that I I just want to note real quick is they the Cavs won this game and got like they're they're getting spotty bench production and I I think Re- Jeff Green having the game he did it to, is probably not going to hold true uh, to, if Thompson you know if Thompson and Corver's maybe something of a wash if they if they flip spots and maybe Corver provides some juice there but one of Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson, we feels like they need to just play better. And it, it felt like that in the first run as well. And and I agree with you that Clarkson needs to go. So Rodney Hood being more than one of five and just not making a three, to me, would go a long way as well. Because if you can have just a little bit more juice off the bench to counteract what Toronto's probably going to have better games from, you know, Fred Van Vliet and, and maybe C.J. Miles has a hot game because he's capable of doing it. Maybe Pirtle has a better game from, from the field, at least. Having a guy kind of provide that little bit of punch, I think, would go a long way because, I mean, look, if J.R. Smith isn't 5 of 6 from 3 in this game, if Corver doesn't make 5 of 12, um, if Jeff Green doesn't get to the line eight times making seven of those attempts, if Thompson doesn't have the game he does, if these things that are kind of extreme to some degree don't happen, the Cavs don't win this game because they just didn't get their production. And if they can just supplement, you know, Hood or just someone can give them just a little bit more on the same nights that LeBron and Love play well, or at least LeBron plays better than he did in this game, that to me is going to be the best Cavs we're going to see in this series. And I, I don't know about them long-term still. So, I think Jeff, last thing, they would do uh, did, against... did game one and how it played out and in the way the Cavs won change your perspective on, on where the series is headed at all? Yeah, I mean, I think I think LeBron guarding Lowry and taking that challenge in Game One from the start of the fourth quarter, really, uh, you know, and and really, you know, taking it to him and and making it so that Lowry basically was taken out of the game completely. You know, I thought we might see that as something that they would they would do in the later games if things, you know, almost as a as a you know sort of a break in case of emergency type thing. But they broke it out in Game One and it worked tremendously. And so I think. You know, from that perspective, if you're you know, if you're a Toronto fan, you've got to be looking at that like, you know, if, if James is going to guard Lowry in the big moments and Lowry's going to sort of, you know, you know, I hate to say wilt from those big moments, but he was, you know, he was pretty poor in the, in the fourth quarter and overtime against against LeBron. And so I think, you know, I think that's that's where the, the series sort of could change for me is where, you know, where I thought I, you know, I personally thought Toronto w- was was the favorite in this series. I, I had them. I picked them in seven to win. I thought that they were they had the better overall team, but if LeBron could just take Lowry out of the game, and unless DeRozan's going to be absolutely superhuman, you know it's going to. I think it might be hard for for Toronto to to produce down the stretch like we saw in this game. And so I think you know if I, I think that changed it you know slightly for me. Obviously, if you pick a team to win and they lose game one, you know that's that that changes a lot just in t- in terms of the percentage chance that that team's going to win four of the next six. But you know, in terms of the the individual tactics of this game, I thought 
LeBron guarding Lowry was something that I thought we'd see later in the series. And now that we're seeing it, you know, if we saw it for the, you know, most of the fourth quarter and overtime, you know, if we start to see it more, if we start to see it in an entire second half or something like that, you know, if, if LeBron has a little bit more rest coming, you know, going forward, that's, that's where I would, I would be worried if I were a Toronto fan. Yeah, and to, to wrap this up, the, the one stat I'm going to point out here is the Cavs' starting lineup played 13 minutes together, had an offensive rating of 80, uh, a defensive rating of 127.5, a two-shooting percentage of 43.5. Some of that you can attribute the offensive issues to LeBron and Love not playing well, but it's a defensive number. Um, and yes, LeBron wasn't great necessarily in the first three quarters on defense, but I I, I think if if – if Ty Lue, I, I'm very curious to see how he approaches this because I, I think there's enough data there, even if it's a small sample size in the film. Um, it certainly doesn't paint a great picture either. I would say that of that starting lineup needs some kind of adjustment, and I think, as we talked about, Tristan is the right answer there. But uh, Jeff Siegel, you can find his writing at fearthesword.com. And Jeff, real quick, just give everyone uh, an, your, your new site. Tell everyone about it and where they can they can support it on Patreon. Yeah, if you uh, if you like sort of the X's and O's and salary cap stuff, I do you know I do obviously do that for Fear the Sword. I'm over at Peachtree Hoops for the Hawks and Blazers Edge for the Portland Trailblazers. But uh, a new site I launched about two weeks ago, two weeks ago yesterday, was uh, is called EarlyBirdRights.com. It's where you know I'm writing pretty much every day over there, breaking down playoff games, you know uh, things things like we like what we've talked about on this on this show. And then, you know, come summer, it's going to be all salary cap information, you know, full, you know, full cap sheets going forward for every team. There's, they're already up there. You can, you know, look at your favorite team, the Cavaliers. You can look at how screwed they'd be if LeBron left. Um, you know, that's my uh, that's my thing is, is the salary cap stuff. So it's all up there. And if you're you're interested in, in that side of things, then then this is the site for you. You can find us on uh, on Twitter at Early Bird Rights. You can follow me at JG Siegel on Twitter. And, and if you like, if you really like what you see, you can find uh, the Patreon links as well on, on the website. Yeah. If you go into the show notes, um, you can find the link to that Patreon, which I am doing right now because of me to do this. I'm going to make, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to become a Patreon supporter and you should do it too. Cause Jeff's doing a lot of great work and there's some really cool perks over there. So go do that. Read is running it for the sword. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, another episode. Find the pod on Twitter at lockdown Cavs and a Facebook at lockdown Cavs. And find me on Twitter at cdimmerice and on Facebook at cdimmerice as well. Jeff, thanks so much for breaking down game one. All right. Thanks for having me. And boom.